This is The Resident Review, a plastic surgery podcast. This is a platform designed for education of plastics, hand, and training facial surgery trainees from medical student to master surgeon. Our episodes take you through high-yield topics along with experts in the field to maximize your knowledge and refine your techniques. If you like what you hear today, be sure to visit our website, theresidentreview.com, for episodes, outlines, resources, and more. And stay tuned after the episode for a brief message from our sponsors. Hi there, welcome back to the Resident Review Quick Hits version. I'm Rosie Tillis, and this is Tori Wickenheiser from Duke. And we are very excited to, so excited. So we're going to get into it. We're going to get into coding and statistics today. Hashtag My girls who code. favorite things. Mm, yes, so good. Um, so we will talk a little bit about coding, and then, yes. and then we're going to talk a little bit about statistics. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Plot twist. It's pretty dry. Um, so maybe listen to this one while you sleep. So it just kind of burns into your memory or something like that. And listen to it like closer to the exam too. So you can just kind of get these little quick things in. Um, but hopefully it'll be a quick, quick episode. So pain free. Minimal pain. Some pain no. though. Some, some pain. <laughs> We're going to talk uh, about some specific areas of plastic surgery and their related coding tips that we've gotten from previous exams. Then we'll talk a little bit about general coding, and then we'll really get into some good statistics. Mm. So I'm going to start us off, and we're going to talk first about transgender breast augmentation. So the key tips for this topic are that this is covered by Medicaid and Medicare, the military and most private payers. Breast reconstruction itself has a separate code for women with breast cancer. So this is considered basically reconstructive in this population, but breast reconstruction for transgender gender affirming surgery um, is considered reconstructive for them. If the patient has breast cancer, that would be a different breast reconstruction code. And then the code itself for this case is going to be bilateral augmentation mammoplasty with prosthetic implant. A little bit more on breast reconstruction coding. So the CPT code for tissue expander to implant is going to be replacement of tissue expander with permanent prosthesis. And this includes in the code excision of the mastectomy, mastectomy scar. Coding for revision of a breast reconstruction is only after that index reconstructive surgery. And this does not refer to stage two with implant placement. So um, if you place a tissue expander and then you go on to place an implant, that is not included in um, that code, this would be revision following that reconstruction. Fat grafting is also a separate code. It's 20926, just in case you want to memorize that. Um, <laughs> but it's tissue grafts or other is the code that relates to fat grafting. And it's used for fat grafting for pole deformities. And no other codes are necessary for fat grafting, like harvest or uh, anything like that. So it's just tissue grafts or other. And then breast reconstruction with free flap. This code includes the rib resection, the microscope use, complex closure, flap harvest, and shaping of the breast. The additional codes you can add are for ICG indocyanin green use if you're doing that um, to evaluate the perfusion of your flap, and that is included as a separate code. It's uh, not for interpretation and report, but just for use in the operating room. And then you can code for any hernia repair that's done at the time of breast reconstruction that's not created by the flap defect itself. So if the patient already had a hernia upon presentation, you 
corrected that hernia during your breast reconstruction case. And then you also repaired the hernia that you created by dissecting out the flap, then you can code for that separately. You cannot code for the one you made. You can Correct. code for the other one. You, yeah. Can, yeah. you can only code for the one that you made didn't. by nature and life. <laughs> okay, and on that note, we're gonna transition into rhinoplasty coding. So a septoplasty code is used for septoplasty only, including submucous resection and harvest of cartilage. Um, spreader graft placement for internal valve flaps is a separate code. You can use a vestibular stenosis code if you're forming septoplasty in conjunction with the spreader flaps. And this includes a septal cartilage harvest. And then a rhinoplasty code itself involves the lower alar cartilages and the bony pyramid. For facial fractures, ZMC fractures are, are classified as ORF of malar fracture or complex malar fracture. Complex is necessary if there are multiple incisions or if the fracture crosses the infraorbital foramen. So that's a really important point to know that it, that it is only complex if there's multiple incisions or it crosses the infraorbital foramen. Orbital four fractures are um, coded separately if they're fixed, even though they are a very common occurrence in ZMC fractures. And the code includes repair with periorbital approach with alloplastic implant. And then general coding for random pattern flaps like rhomboid flaps, these are coded as adjacent tissue transfer. And if this is coded, you do not get to code for the excision of the lesion. And separate reporting would be considered unbundling. Can't do that. We no don't do that. Team no, no unbundling. Team no unbundling here. Um, the size of the closure or tissue arrangement includes the total area, which includes the size of the defect and the size of the flap elevated. So that's how you get your defect plus excision in the bundle. The size of the reconstruction of flap defect is not included in coding as it is already included by the secondary defect measurement, aka it's all of the cuts that were made in the entire time. Um, the reconstruction technique of the donor site is included in the coding though, if you do a tissue transfer and there's a defect in the, in the donor site. Flaps based on an axial pattern named vessel like carapanzic flaps on the facial artery are coded as uh, muscular cutaneous flaps or fascia cutaneous flaps, depending on the components that are included. And a TMR is considered a nerve transfer and is coded as such. I loved that we were tested on that last year. Mm -hmm. This is close to home. For Medicare and Medicaid reimbursements, uh, most third-party payers follow this uh, schema. And the global surgical package is a single payment for all care associated with a given surgical procedure. So some things are not separately billable. They're just included. Services that are not included in the global package are unrelated visits, unrelated surgeries, and initial evaluation. And then that global period is 90 days for major surgery. So this includes all preoperative visits after surgery decision or decision to proceed with surgery is made. So after that initial evaluation and plan for surgery, all post-surgical visits and pain care, supplies and procedures, suture removal, and it does not include complications that require return to the operating room. All right, are we going now, to the statistics? transferring into statistical analyses. An abrupt turn. An abrupt, painful turn. All right. <laughs> so it's short though. Um, 
common measures of central tendency. So this is like the average measures include a mean, median, and mode. Mean is the statistical average, which changes more when the data is skewed. So when you have like a very high, very low data point, the median is the exact middle value. And this is usually preferred with highly skewed data because this shows you where the actual um, data lies. And um, it's, a, it's a better measure of central tendency in these skewed data populations. And then the mode is the most frequently occurring score or value in a set of scores or values. The range is the distance between the minimum and maximum value. Standard deviation is how spread out the values are in a data set. And categorical values are values that cannot be quantified. They're usually assessed by non-parametric statistics. Continuous variables are variables that give a score for each subject, like blood pressure and cholesterol. So use parametric statistical tests to assess these. Paramet so talking a little more about the tests, parametric tests assume that the data are not are normally distributed, and these can include t-tests, ANOVA, or chi-squared tests. Non-parametric tests are typically more stringent because they're based off the assumption of a non-normal distribution of data. Non-parametric tests include ordinal or nominal, Mann-Whitney U-test, Fisher exact test, or Wilcoxon matched pairs test. The p-value is for some reason often tested. Um, this is the probability that the outcome would have occurred by chance. And generally it's at 0.05% or the p-value is set at 0.05. So this basically the way I remember this is this is the chance that this happened by chance. The confidence interval is the range of values around the sample mean within which the researcher can be certain contains the true mean of the population. So it's basically the numbers between which your true mean lies. And then we have sensitivity, specificity, positive predicted value, and negative predicted value. And these, I feel like these are all really important to review um, kind of together because they all work together to tell you about the results of the test and how reliable they are. So the sensitivity of a test is the probability that a patient with, with a disease will have a positive test result. Specificity is the probability that a patient without a disease will have a negative test result. Positive predictive value is the probability that a patient with a positive test will have the disease. And then the negative predictive value is the probability that a patient with a negative test does not have the disease. I don't have a great way of remembering all of those. Yeah. I just remember learning that um, you need the sensitivity and the specificity to calculate like the positive predictive and negative predictive values. So I just remember them in pairs. So sensitivity mm -hmm. means that you want to have like a, if you want a really highly sensitive test, you want to rule in as many people as possible that could have a positive result. And then hopefully you can have a high positive predictive value. And that means that the likelihood that you have a positive test, the likelihood that you have the test, have the disease <laughs> is higher because you included everybody. And then you have a high positive predictive value, meaning that like, if your test is positive, the person has the disease. And I still don't feel like that made any sense when I explained it. So whatever way you I mean, come up with, I think of sensitivity as like, you want a really highly sensitive test. You want to rule as many people in as possible. You yeah. have a specific test. You want to have the most accurate test possible. So if the person doesn't have a disease, then they test negative. So you want a really low false negative. Mm -hmm. false sensitivity. I do remember, I think of it as like a net it's like the net is trying to catch all of your positives. Um, and then the positive predicted value and the negative predicted value are associated with a specific population that you are testing it on. The sensitivity and specificity are only measures related to the test itself. 
Um, the last thing that we have to talk about is types of error. And these are also commonly tested. And these are like easy grab questions if you remember these things. So a type one error is the probability of falsely rejecting the null hypothesis. So this is basically a type one error is when the research concludes that there is, there is a difference when there is actually no difference. So you're just wrong. Um, a, a type two error is the probability of failing to reject the null hypothesis when it is true. And the research concludes that there is no difference between the two conditions when there is actually a difference. So it's like, you, you really did find something, but you just didn't, you just didn't know you found it. Just couldn't get there. <laughs> just couldn't get there. The null hypothesis is that there is no real difference between the two groups. And power is a term that refers to the statistical likelihood that a researcher will find a significant effect that exists based on the sample size and number of variables. So if you have like a higher population or a higher number of variables, you have a higher power. And that is statistics. That, that That's was it. it. That was AP great. Statistics. Yeah. Um, we have some, do we have some little, little factoids, tidbits? We do. We do. I'm so excited about them because I mean, we're at the end of this wow. recording. Um, so a couple of fast facts about coding and statistics. Um, so random pattern flaps, i.e. like a rhomboid flap are coded as adjacent tr tissue transfer. And like we talked about those based off of named vessels um, are coded as a- uh, Muscular cutaneous or fascial cutaneous flap, yes. depending on what you actually take. Yes. And then the global period is within 90 days of major surgery. It includes all pre-op visits after that surgical decision was made, but not the initial consultation. Um, and it also includes all post-surgical pain care, supplies and procedures and suture removal. And, you know, quick hits about statistics. You just know, memorize you gotta it. know just, that stuff. Just memorize it. They're like easy grabs if you can, if you can get them. All right. Well, that was the least painful that I think it could have been. We can, we can rest assured. <laughs> Story, you want to take us out? <laughs> know what to say <laughs> thank you <laughs> what you can i say we fun. had so much fun it we was fun great. this was quick hits on coding and statistics um we hope you'll come back and listen to this right before the test because it seems like most of us will just be memorizing these statistics mm -hmm. and coding tidbits um but be sure to listen to the rest of our quick hit series as you go along and prepare for the in-service as a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com.